Ladies and gentlemen, this is Book Music. I am Tosh. And I'm Kim Lee. And each episode, we focus on one book on music, a music book. It could be a memoir, a biography, a book about music history, anything to do with music. And today, we're going to focus on the book, Relax, Baby, Be Cool, The Artistry and Audacity of Serge Gainsborough by Jeremy Allen, published by Jawbone Books. And Kimley, we have a special guest today, don't we? Mm-hmm. Very lucky today. We have the author, Jeremy Allen. Welcome, Jeremy. Thank you for having me. How are you doing? I think we're doing okay. I'm very excited about doing this show because uh, I love Serge Gainsborough. Yeah, me too. And I, and I, <laughs> and I put my entire, my entire fortune in making some Serge Gainsborough books. Uh, and now my life is in ruin right now. But, but my love for him is pretty intense. And, um, you know, I read your book. We both did, of course, and uh, relax, baby, be cool. And I loved your book. Oh, thank you. Well, that's good. That's good to know. You did a magnificent job of, uh, of doing this biography, but so, but tell us more about the format of the book. It's 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 a biography, yet I feel it's, I mean, I feel it's also uh, talks about each of his albums at the time as well. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it jumps it jumps around quite a lot. Um, I I I. I must admit that I find reading biographies the the kind of um where the sequential someone you know the the you you find out about the parents and then they're born and then they have a career and then there's you know uh redemption or drugs or whatever and then blah 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 blah, blah and then they drop dead and 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 there you go mm-hmm. I I I get I read a lot of those for for work and no I mean I mean it kind of serves a purpose but mm-hmm. there, there have already been books about Gainsbourg or like that, and I thought, what, what I thought would be interesting, I, I do, um, I write for uh, a website called The Quietus, and um, they do anniversary pieces where you'll have an album, mm. uh, a, a classic album, and and everyone kind of knows the story of that classic album. So what you have to do is bring something fresh to it, um, mm-hmm. and then it sort of occurred to me, well to tackle this biography how about if i did it sort of eat you know do that for every album i mean i i know i group some of the albums together um mm-hmm. but it was just a way of kind of then taking a, a a theme and um and so it's kind of it's it's chronological but it's not necessarily not necessarily linear and i thought it was a nice way of tackling his um back catalog as well because he had the habit of kind of stealing bits from everywhere and uh making a kind of papier-colle you know and I just thought well why don't we try and do it that way and um wh- whether I was successful or not is 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 dependent on the reader I think but um I I just wa- I just wanted to kind of try something a, a little bit different and you know I mean I'm, I'm pleased with it I think I think I, I sort of read it again the other day and um I think I put it off. There, there are a few few digressions that maybe I could have curtailed a little bit, but on the whole, you know, I, I, I think it's kind of, um, yeah, I, 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 I think it, I think it works on the whole. Don't change anything. No, and I think um, 
you know, it's tough when you're writing about somebody who's already been written about quite a bit. But I think one of the main things that you bring to the Gensburg story is that you're bringing a perspective from outside of France. Most of the books have been written from French people where he's quite well known and, and his story is a little bit different outside of France. So I think that's a really important aspect of what you bring to the book. Yeah, and I, I think there's also a kind of recontextualizing for the, the modern era as well. Um mm-hmm. Well, the the kind of I mean, I say the modern era. I mean, just the the era where where we're in with the kind of um, with social media and you know intense scrutiny and all. You know, I mean, I mean provocation, which was which was his currency, isn't the currency that it was. Do you know what I mean? So yeah. yes, um, I thought it was important to 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 look at that and not shy away from some of the more sort of thorny um, issues um mm-hmm. and and uh yeah i mean uh, i a lot of my interviewees in in french interviewees would sort of say why are you writing an, another book about gansborg there are quite a few <laughs> um, mm-hmm. which is which is fair enough but yeah i i did want to kind of um approach it for as i approached it as a, a as a fan in the in in the first place and then kind of discover as much as i could but yeah i mean it it, it is largely you know, uh, written by a by an English person. I did live in Paris for five years, but I I I, I wouldn't say I I assimilated um, brilliantly well. Um, so, <laughs> so there is there is that, yeah. It's interesting because you open the book saying how you know when he died. Um, you know, it was a huge thing in France, and then the rest of the world kind of. Uh, I mean, I remember when he died because I was actually studying French at the time, and I remember going to French class and the teacher like it was a big deal you know she told us all about him and everything and at the time the only thing I knew was you know je t'aime moi non plus mm. um but uh you know it's true it's like nobody else really knew about him and it wasn't really until I think the mid-90s or so that uh I remember some compilations came out here in the U.S. and then he started to get really popular I mean you know to a mm. certain degree of popularity. How did you get into Serge? How, what was your introduction to him? Oh um, well, it was a video, um, a DVD. I, w- I was working as a as a as the editor of a of a music website, a, a sadly now defunct website called um, Play Louder, and this was about two thousand and five. Um, mm. I-, I had some friends in Dublin who were who were really really into him, and I, I sim- shared a sort of similar taste in music. We kind of quite liked. Um, uh, drinky music you know three o'clock in the morning listening to lamb chop breaking your heart over a girl you know that kind of music and um, mm-hmm. and so I, I i i i kind of i obviously I, I knew who he was to the extent that i knew about what he'd said to whitney houston and jetem one on blue but um beyond that he didn't really um resonate with me particularly but then yeah there was this kind of it, it he was suddenly kind of around, wasn't he? He was in the air. I don't know. I mean, mm-hmm. it was just... Uh, yeah. And so this DVD came through, um, and uh, I I forget what it was called. Um, it was the um, Other News from the Stars. The, 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 the Do you know the DVD, I mean? Um, but in Is French. it a compilation of his videos? Yeah, it's or... a compilation. There's about, there's about 88 videos on it, I think. And they're all taken from kind of... TV performances and uh-huh. uh, and 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 you know sort of um, 
proto video. Yeah. Um, there's there's like the comic strip one, you know that kind of thing, mm-hmm. which was mm-hmm. um, yeah. So 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 they had all all these different videos, and I think yeah, I just put it on, and it was one of those things where I. I think this only happens to you like two or three times in your life where where you you suddenly um see or hear music and and in this case it was it was a combination and it just goes pow and you and you like you know there's just a kind of um an epiphany I suppose um right. but it was it was it was particularly strange because I didn't speak a word of French at the time and I was, um, yeah, I, d- I don't know. I don't know what it was about it, and I still don't really know what it was that kind of was like a, you know, to use a, a cliche, a, a dagger to my. No, yeah, I'm mixing my metaphors. Um, anyway, <laughs> um, so yeah, so so, so something happened. Anyway, there was kind of a, 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 you know, a chemical reaction, and I, I, I mean, I think, I think part of it was the fact I was. Um, an alcoholic at the time you know well I still, I still am an alcoholic but I've been recovering for for 10 11 years um and uh maybe some of that maybe there was something about you know Serge drinking and smoking a lot or maybe there was some mm. it was the music it was the, the 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 whole ambiance the the everything I mean it just it just kind of um captured my imagination like but very few things have and 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 became a bit of a quest to to discover more about him because i i mean this was like 2005 and i don't it it wasn't pre-internet but there weren't ways of sort of finding out like like you can now do you know what i mean yeah it took me a a, for me i searched i think i discovered him right after he passed away and Mm. you know it took me it, it took me a while to to really grasp his music and his importance, because you hear the scandal stuff right away about yeah. it. And, you know, okay, so that's that one image, and he did this, and he did that. But, you know, to get into his music, it, it was really when, when Mercury Records put together, like, a compilation of his, of his music on, on three separate CDs. Uh, one was his Latin jazz music. The other one was, like, his pop period, you know, was Bridget Bardot, Bardot and Jane Birkin era. Hmm. And the other one was uh, uh, this, I think this is, you know, his really jazz work, jazz, pop, or however you want to uh, define it. And listening to those compilation CDs, you know, being separated that way, I really got the picture of who he, who he, who he is or was. And, you know, I also had these compilations like the best of Surge, but they really didn't tell me that much. It's really those three separate CDs of focusing on separate eras of his music that really made me at least appreciate and understand his work i think it's interesting that the i mean uh, i remember talking to bertrand Bergler and um uh, jean emmanuel deluxe and mm-hmm. they were both saying that um that uh Gansport was really w- w- was hidden the, the 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 kind of french youth knew gans bar but they didn't know Gansborg necessarily and and it was right. only really the kind of the slightly older sort of athletes who knew these 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 albums, like certainly the ones from the seventies that everyone celebrates now, mm-hmm. um, they were they you couldn't really buy them in in, in record shops and, no. and so and so to a whole generation he was just this guy who'd, who'd made you know from from the reggae albums on you know yeah they knew him as and 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 then I think 
it it took it took um you know his his record company a a long time to sort of catch on that actually sort of people might want to hear these you know these other periods so um, yeah yeah it's kind of it's it's curious to, that they were sort of that backward in their thinking in a way yeah in America it's very hard to find at the time hard to find French contemporary music yeah yeah for us imports in a record store meant British music yeah. Which is always like a dollar, two dollars more than than American edition. But that was it. And it was until I went to, you know, uh, my wife is Japanese, so I go to Japan quite often. Mm-hmm. And when I was in Japan, when you go to a good, you know, good, decent record store, there's always a good French section. Mm-hmm. And it was there that I discovered more of Serge's Gainsbourg's work as well as other French artists. In mm-hmm. America at the time, impossible. Interesting, yeah. I mean, I'm a, in the book. I say uh, uh, I, I spoke to Paul Gorman, who who wrote a piece in Mojo in '95 or something like that, and um, he couldn't get anything out of the record company, and 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 he had to to go at that at that time to the kind of um, the you know the the kind of foreign section. Um, I, I maybe maybe had a had a more inclusive word than foreign, but. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, but that was where he kind of picked up the uh, yeah picked up the the few sort of Gansball albums that he could find, but he he had no no joy from from the you know the record company whatsoever. Mm. And that was that was ninety five, you know. Yeah. And that's just at the point when artists like Massive Attack and um, I think Black Grape and uh, mm-hmm. you know are, are starting to sample him. I, um, it's in, yeah. I, I, the whole introduction is kind of about this, about how his cult kind of grew, and it's quite quite interesting to see where you know where that came from or or, or why. Um, a, a lot of that is open to conjecture, but um, I thought I would sort of plot the timeline anyway. You know. I love how you sort of you do as you mentioned you get into sort of the little sticky bits about him you know there's a lot of paradoxes about him and there's a lot of things that would upset people today um one of them being sort of his appropriation and his so-called sampling of other music like Olatunji which I mean when you listen to the music of that New York New York song and you listen to the Olatunji track I mean it's almost exactly the music part is almost exactly the same yeah 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 and you know that's not something he could get away with today <laughs> No, well, I mean, people. Uh, I mean, for a while, it, the, the, in in hip hop culture, I mean, the you know, there the were it was the kind of like the wild west, and people were right. borrowing samples or whatever. But then that very much got tightened up, didn't it, in the early nineties? I think there was a big um, there was a big case in about ninety two. I'm just trying to remember the the, the artist. Um, but yeah, exactly. You you can't you can't just sort of go um, stealing uh like that and and it was it was i mean the way he did it you know i mean he's kind of laughing about it but it was just a very colonialist attitude you know yeah like big time (laughs) (laughs) yeah i mean i mean i mean to be fair to serge what i don't think that he he was i mean the, the way he did that i mean that that was quite unusual um but there were i guess Led Zeppelin and, and so forth were were taking traditional songs and then whacking their own names on it and 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 reaping the publishing, you know. Sure, and I'm I'm guessing part of him thought it was almost like a tribute, you know, it's like celebrating this music rather than stealing it. I don't 
he probably didn't necessarily see it as stealing, you know. <laughs> you know, but yeah, I find the French as well as the Japanese, they really have appreciation, at least on the surface, of other cultures. Mm. They always like looking out, you know, for other, you know, other countries and cultures for inspiration. Um, I think even more so than than in America. Um, maybe because America has its own, you know, strong culture of sorts. But, um, but you know, the, but the way the French approach to African music or even reggae, I feel like there's a really strong connection between the two cultures or the, you know, when they approach another culture. Yeah. And they do, they do take, there's no doubt about it, because, you know, <laughs> there, there was the French Empire as well, you know, as well as the British Empire and so forth. But, but um, I think Gainsborough's approach to culture was, I will pick and choose what I want for my own purposes or my own art. Mm. I think that I think it's interesting because he um, I mean, that was not the done thing in in Chanson, you know, it was kind mm-hmm. of um, yeah, I think it's one of the reasons why, you know, you listen to Leo Ferry or something, it just doesn't mm-hmm. quite translate to a to a, to an English audience, whereas Gansborough's more, uh, you know, he's 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 being playful and he's he's doing these sort of tortured franglade puns and he's he's mm-hmm. you know throwing in a bit of kind of echolalia you know kind of uh dadaist kind of just just words bum 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 and um and that kind of uh that 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 resonates with people um in yeah. you know in england or whatever but um yeah i'm just what, what are you saying you're saying about the well uh, it's you bring oh, french, culture, french culture yeah yeah, yeah. no because with, with with chanson it, they definitely um didn't do that but i i think because of his because of the the, the life that he led mm-hmm. um growing up as a as a child of um russian immigrant you know jewish refugees yeah um he obviously in his um i think he he probably felt he, he was he was french but he was also an outsider and i think that freed yeah. him up a little bit to to kind of um borrow from here and there and, and, and take from different cultures. Cause he, he was from different cultures and he was, you know, kind of, um, I, yeah, I, I'm just, I'm, I'm wondering with, with, with French culture, with, with the kind of taking from, from other sources or whatever, I think that was more a post-war thing than, than, yeah. than sort of before, especially with the, um, no, you're absolutely correct. I mean, somebody like, uh, um, we, we talked a little bit about it before or the podcast, but, um, a figure that I feel is really important in the post-war years of uh, Paris, especially, is uh, Boris Vian. Yeah. And Vian's approach to culture was he loved American jazz. Mm. And after after France was closed off just due to the German occupation of, you know, American culture, like no movies, nothing. Then when Vian, you know, like in 46, 47, Vian is one of the main figures who brought in, you know, jazz music to France. Yeah. Uh, and you know, and Serge Gainsbourg was part of that generation of sort um, of of hearing and approaching you know another culture within the French context. But you are yeah, correct. Yeah, yeah. But you are totally correct. I think that Gainsbourg is an outsider in within the French culture. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I I think France was quite protectionist, and but then it had yeah. a lot of war war debt to pay off. Yeah. And 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 then they struck a, a deal, Leo Bloom and. Um, I forget the, the the American finance minister, but they they struck a deal, and and it, it meant there was a lot more American cinema in in France after the war. Yeah, and, um, and I think that that had a 
a, a major impact on you know young people and and also also uh, you know I, I think there was probably um i guess that the the youth of the of, of france after the war maybe wanted to disassociate themselves with the with their parents as well a little bit so yeah this kind of embracing i think american culture there were these two th- two things that kind of because because you know um yeah. france didn't cover itself in in glory necessarily in, no um, no and we should probably we probably should mention that serge's uh Gainesville's, uh childhood was very difficult due to the um the uh nazi occupation uh of yeah. the war years. um he had to wear the he had to wear the yellow star that's right um his family was split up uh he was on the run you know you know honestly and um he had i mean it's a very scary terrifying world that he was raised in yeah absolutely although speaking to his sister who's who's still who's still alive actually um mm. she i spoke to her the other day and sent her a book and she, i think she's 95 now wow, um wow. but she she said that in a way because they were so young mm-hmm. obviously obviously it was you know i mean i suppose you internalize these things but for them it was kind of a, it, it was also them being um you know children it right. was a bit of an adventure, you know, when when Serge would have to go and uh, t- take an axe to the to the woods, and if you saw anyone, say he was like the butcher's son or something, and, right. and then, you know, hiding out in a tree, you know, it was all part mm. of a part of a sort of. Um, it, it might have seemed like a, a game to them, but yeah, I mean, they were they were um, definitely in in deep danger, and he had to assume a, a different identity, and and he also had. Um, peritonitis as well um yeah i mean the fact that that he, he made it out of out of the occupation is is quite remarkable in itself and do you feel that those years sort of made him i don't know if resentment but what made him such a um an outrage in his later life what 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 fueled that anger or fueled that that sense of uh audacity you know why why was he such a uh, um i got a feeling that he liked to rub the french mainstream public you know knows into the poo sometimes because mm. you know what he his, his, the various public acts he did was totally provocative yeah i mean he was definitely uh uh you know such an individualist in a, a time when that wasn't necessarily um something you know in 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 some ways i think uh french cultural life can be quite conformist you know yeah. uh-huh. and i think that um he he was sort of riding against that. What, what, why I don't know. I mean, um, he, I mean, he was an attention seeker. There's no doubt about it. Uh-huh. Um, he he deeply wanted to be. He wanted everyone to be talking about him. I mean, it was you know he 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 absolutely lived for you know he for he he was an attention whore you know, um, and. Um, I don't know. I mean, it's. It, I, I suppose it's a. It's. It, it can be. It can be a number of things. I mean, I, I sometimes think about his treatment by his father. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, like Jacqueline, his sister, was you know sort of tittering about the fact that um, you know, he'd get locked in a cupboard and um, you know, he was, and she was saying you know he wasn't very brave and she was sort of laughing about it. But actually, the the the, the treatment that he that he received from his father. You know the the kind of piano lessons, uh, um, mm-hmm. 
where, where it, you know, it, it, it kind of, um, you know, it, it, it end up with bleeding fingers and, and then his father would apologize to him. And, 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 and that was, you know, he said later on in life, that was something that, that he found it hardest to take the fact that his father would abuse him and, and then wouldn't, you know, wouldn't sort of go through with that. He would then, he would then sort of like say, I'm sorry, son, you know what I mean? Mm. Um, so I, I, I think that may have been a factor. I mean, it's, I'm not, I'm not a psychologist, you know what I mean? There are so many, so many sort of, he, he had a hard upbringing. I mean, I, I think the, it was, it was kind of magical too. them going and mm-hmm. going to the, the, the resorts in, in Northern France. And, uh, you know, that's where he sort of cutting his teeth playing in bars and that kind of thing at quite a young age or whatever. And spending, you know, spending time in in these resorts. Um, when when I spoke to Jacqueline, you know, that all sounded quite magical. Um, but then suddenly, you know, a, a Nazi soldier hoves into view, and everything changes. Right. And it, it, his father was a musician, a professional musician. Yeah. And Serge Gainsbourg, he, I mean, I think his his first strong interest was doing visual art, being a painter. Correct. Yeah, and he didn't continue the painting. Seriously, is it was there a reason why he did not continue that that venue, that that uh, that profession, or that art? Well, I think when it came down to it, he, he wasn't good enough, um, and that 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 will you know um, stymie your your uh, your, your <laughs> chances there. But um, it's interesting because it, like reading, I mean, I don't know if you've read it. His um, his first wife, Liz Levitsky, or Liz Levitsky's um, biography about him. No, not. I've I've read. Yeah, I mean, I I can't say I've read it from cover to cover, but I've I've mm. read quite a bit of it. Um, and some of it you sort of you think, mm, I'm not sure. That seem that that doesn't that doesn't seem to add up to me. But um, anyway, I don't. I you know, I don't want to. I don't want to doubt her entirely but there, there, there's there, there are some whoppers in it put it that way but she kind of said that about his painting she you know there's always this talk of of, of, of Gansborough destroying his paintings like you know Francis Bacon and like mm-hmm. you know kind of tormented and she's saying you know you see a kind of autodaf and there's there's these paintings all on all on, all on fire and, and and she said that as far as she was concerned she honestly only thought that Gansborough had only painted about fifteen paintings in his life, so um, which 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 does sort of make sense, you know what I mean? It's kind of it, it's almost like um, there's this idealized the snob in him or whatever. He, he's sort of aspiring to be mm-hmm. a great painter, but he's kind of not putting the work in with it, you know. And and the music is something that just comes naturally to him. His, his father too was wanted to be a painter. Oh. And, then, and there was a story that um, he he painted this picture of of um, of a girl who he who, who he was infatuated with, and he got nicked off off him on a train, and um, and his father like uh, sorry that's that's English vernacular it got stolen, yeah. uh-huh. um, <laughs> and um, and, uh, it, and and his father swore from that moment i'm never going to paint again so it's it's a similar sort of petulance actually Mm -hmm. and then he fell back on his you know the 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 thing that that was kind of the family business really the 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 playing in bars and Mm -hmm. and so forth 
um, which Serge fitted into quite naturally. And then weirdly, he sort of starts writing songs and then and then emerges at, at the age of 30 as, mm-hmm. a, as a as a performer and not a very confident one and it's quite a quite late in the day actually to to right. suddenly take that up so he was like around 30 years old when he started doing live performances was he like or 29 yeah i mean it, well his, his his first record came out when he was when he was 30 so uh-huh. i mean he'd done a he'd done a bit of live performance before that which was you know the kind of metamorphosis of of right of it character that became Serge Gainsbourg. So Serge Gainsbourg's songs, you know, when you compare it to like George Bresson's or or uh, Leo Fair, is that Fiance's name? Leo Fair? Hmm. Um, they were like they're, they're like very sort of traditional French songs with great stories or you know about characters. Um, Serge did come from that world that you, as we were talking about earlier in the podcast. He sort of made a twist of it by be having more like wordplay in the lyrics mm. tell stories but you're right you know you don't have to know french to appreciate or or enjoy a, a serge gainsborough song yeah no i think that's true um i think i mean part of it uh, part partly i think it was it was quite cynical in the sense that he he he, he was writing these these very um you know the kind of thing that uh l'academie française would be mm-hmm. very very um, happy about you know he's kind of he's he's writing these songs and he's referencing Baudelaire and he's he's and then he sees you know he's he's writing for these kind of high-minded chanteuses like um, uh, Juliette Greco and you know mm-hmm. and he's, he's he's doing all right as a songwriter mm-hmm. but then there's this other thing that's going on in France this this new wave this kind of yeah yeah and 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 he it can also you know he thinks it's beneath him. But uh-huh. he also he also thinks, ah, now I could make you know I could probably do this, and of course he, he comes to it and he he does it better than everybody else, you know. That's interesting about his age and doing like teenage music, you know. You know, there's a, a performer and writer by the name of Jacques, Jacques Duranc. Do you know his music at all? Or do you know anything about him? Not Jacques Duchamp. Yes. Yeah. And the person, you know, the songs that they, he wrote in the '60s, he wrote it with the lyricists. And the yeah. was way older. He was like in his sixties. Jacques Glansman. Yeah. So his his lyricist, he was in his sixties or late fifties when he was writing lyrics to Jacques' music. Yeah, Jacques Glansman. He was um, he he was also um, he was the editor of Louis, wasn't he? And um, oh, he, yeah. So so he, yeah, he was older, but he he kind of had a um uh literary background, and um yeah, he he was he kind of brought um that kind of sardonic style i think to to Dutronc that really that really worked mm-hmm. i spoke to philip philippe labro the other day and he he did some lyrics for gansbourg and john johnny halliday and um mm. but he was also a film director and mm-hmm. a journalist and it, it seemed to be something that um yeah they, they, where they would kind of um defer to this you know man of letters to to come in and do um he did um Birkin's album as well um mm-hmm. the um Lily to go home he did, he did the the lyrics for that so yeah um it yeah it's it's weird isn't it i, I don't i don't, yeah. i can't think of a uh anywhere else where that kind of went on but um it's, you know i i'm 66 years old and i'm dying to write 
a lyrics to a song by a 15 year old teen. <laughs> That's my dream. So I look up the church, I look up to Doc for, you know, working with these much older lyricists or, you know, or Serge being older himself, writing for like a teenage market. Well, you never know. Someone might be listening now. And, I hope so. If anybody's listening. <laughs> get, get, get There's still hope for you, Tash. There is hope. <laughs> <laughs> but, it, but again, I was struck by the, the age thing. Because, you know, normally, especially if you're from my generation, you know, living through music in the 60s, it's really about youth. You know, youth this, written by youth people. Bob Dylan was writing his major songs when he was young. The Beatles, of course, Stones, you know, et cetera, et cetera. But it's yeah. interesting that Serge was doing contemporary music for youth at a you know at a, at a at advanced age. I mean, what some people considered advanced age, but maybe not in France. Maybe France has a different look on the issues of age. And, and... well, I, th- I think he's he's interesting in that he. Um, I mean, he was born in 1929, 28, 29. Um, I mean, he, he was a full 12, 15 years older than than the like. Johnny Halliday or or um, Sylvie Vartan or whatever, but it, I mean, his generation and probably the generation after that rejected him. I mean, they just weren't weren't interested in him. They thought he was a, a dirty man, you know. Right. That that was something that came up quite quite often, and it was really that it was um, my generation, I suppose. That you know, I mean, um, he became popular in in seventy nine, and um, and 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 it was the kids who. You know, absolutely, kind of um, saw some kind of kindred spirit. You know, but, yeah. but he'd been kind of um, he'd, he'd had he'd had a few hits and he was on TV mm-hmm. a lot, but um, he was never embraced in in the way that he was by by that kind of you know that that youth market when when he was when he was hitting his fifties. You know, he was writing songs for uh, Franz Gall. Uh, who was a teenage singer, pop singer? Mm-hmm. And can you can you write about or talk about the song uh, that he wrote for her that sort of has a double meaning? I guess. Oh, um, do you mean "Poupie de Cire, Poupie de Song"? No, I think that no, isn't it the Les Set song? Yeah, Les Set. Oh right, okay, yeah, 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 that one. Um, yeah, the old classic. Um, he, it's it's kind of crazy, isn't it? That that she didn't sort of notice the double meaning. And there's, there's... Well, somebody didn't tell her. I mean, wasn't somebody looking out for her? <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, and her her father also didn't see it. Um, oh boy, he, he was he, he was a manager. Um, okay. I don't know. I just I I I I mean, I guess they were just more innocent times. I'm I'm I mean, or, or maybe you know, maybe they didn't expect this um, this terrible man to to kind of foist this song with a double entendre about uh which which the french don't actually say do they double entendre it doesn't actually mean anything um but um it's something about um yeah it's it's it's, it's basically it's basically a, a double meaning about fellatio isn't it um, yeah and, <laughs> and, and, it is. and yes, the, if you take it literally it's about it's about a per- the singer is singing about sucking on candy correct is that what those yeah on lollipops, exactly. lollipops right so it's it's how would I put this? So we, he <laughs> delicately. We're fine. Yes, we want. Um, but that was not obvious to the people at the time, the pop market, or or was it really just like a dirty old man 
and fellows. Seems to me, all you have to do is take one look at Serge, and you know he's pretty louche. <laughs> <laughs> I would have been wary right from the get go. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, it's just um, I don't know. Was it? Yeah, I guess it was a different different time. I, I don't know, but it's interesting that people always sort of um, assume that 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 was the moment when there was a schism between him and Gal, and she didn't want anything to do with him. But then she went on recorded some some more great songs by him there's a couple on the on the 1968 album yeah um, such an underrated album brilliant album actually mm-hmm. um, and there, there are other songs on there that are great like baby baby Rickan, which was written with joe Dazan. but um yeah so obviously she was she was quite upset about this but um the relationship continued you know the other song that they did together where where she um where she won the the euro the euro what do you call it the euro the original uh, song contest yes uh, that's uh, the not song right so that song's about like about being a a puppet right yeah exactly poopy de sir poopy de song um yeah it's quite a sort of meta kind of <clears throat> analysis of of stardom um quite astute i mean a lot a lot of the 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 songs um that he he wrote for her had um were about kind of almost de- deconstructing the, the the pop star myth. They're quite mm-hmm. clever, you know. Um, but that one, yeah, that 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 was um, way ahead of its time. And also um, for the Eurovision Song Contest, up to that point, they they just had these big sort of illustrious, um, quite banal ba- ballads, and and and, mm-hmm. and that was the that was the first proper sort of 60s pop song that, that that won it you know and and it was a big influence because then like sandy shaw did puppet on a string a couple of years right. later and um um but yeah no that's that's it's a really great song it's a great song but also when you think about it how provocative can one be to go on a big you know festival it was mostly bland songs and yet you're criticizing the whole pop market or the whole pop, pop you know mechanics i think yeah. that's amazing oh yeah yeah definitely it definitely had some front, um, and France, France didn't want the want the song either. They sort of demurred, and and they ended up doing it for um, Switzerland. Who Serge? He um, did a lot of um, writing for Marit and oh, what was it called? The Charpentiers, who were these this power couple, and they 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 kind of did a lot of the the French kind of music at the time. Anyway, that's probably getting a bit. Bit over overly detailed, and then where I'm going with that. <laughs> you know, there's these all these avenues. We love all the, the tangents. <laughs> there's these streets and avenues to go to, especially when you're discussing Serge Gainsbourg. Because Serge Gainsbourg to me is the music industry of France in that time period. I mean, the fact he wrote songs for other people, he was a performer, uh, he covered various types of music throughout his career, and till his passing, he still kept up with whatever was current. Ever happening musically, he never really looked back. He's he's a he's very much of a forward looking artist. I feel, and um, yeah, he's just a unique person. Yet he is the French music industry because he had so many hits with other people. You know, he wrote songs for actresses. You know, soundtrack work. I mean, just anyway, I mean, he just doesn't stop. No, it's true. Um, people often don't realize that he wasn't very successful as an actual performer himself uh, right. he had he had moments like Je Tem One and Blue was obviously a, a massive hit mm-hmm. and it went to number one in, in Britain which was a total anomaly really mm-hmm. a French language song had never I don't think I don't think a foreign language song had ever gone to number one in Britain up to mm-hmm. that point 
Um, but these were just, you know, and then it, then it, it, it sort of, he just ended up after that kind of making these, these incredible albums that nobody was paying any attention to. He was this kind of light entertainment figure of fun almost who was, who was making, you know, he was, he was knocking off songs on a, on a Saturday night mm-hmm. for Sylvia Vartan and, and Jane Birkin to, to go on, you know, almost for, for fun, not registering them at Sassem, which is the, Kind of French, um, uh, I don't know what the American equivalent is in in the UK. It's PRS. Um, do you... It's like a it's like a publishing firm. Yeah, yeah, you... exactly, exactly. So, so the, there's all these songs that he he didn't he didn't kind of um, register. Mm. Um, so yeah, I mean he he was he was right. He, he wrote so many great songs for. So I I think it's like about. 55 female artists i think mm-hmm. um you know some great ones nana muscuri and mm-hmm. but yeah i mean he he and 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 in the 70s his his partner jane birkin is becoming really famous and he's sort of being pushed into the background which he which he doesn't like very much no he needs the attention he needs the attention exactly <laughs> I thought it was really interesting what you uh, said about their relationship, how it was sort of this uh, idealized relationship and uh, it was so easy to market. It's still it's still the case now, isn't it? You know sure, I mean? sure. I mean, to me, they're just like this iconic, cool, you know, super cool couple. <laughs> they look so great together. I think Baxter Jury said, you know, you, you, any French girl from, from the age of like, you know, 18 to 30 or whatever and... and there will always be pictures of you know Serge and Jane on on the on the on their Instagram feed, you right. know. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's definitely 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 that. Even though you know they they broke up in 1980, uh, because he was um, impossible to uh, you know to 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 live with, I guess at that point. Yeah. Yeah. I gather they still stayed close, though. I think didn't they? They did stay close, yeah, they did, and um, and and I mean, they they clearly they they still loved each other, you know. I mean, um, mm-hmm. when I when I spoke to the American musicians, who 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 worked with him in in the eighties, you know, they 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 tell me stories of Serge just sort of like sitting there and and, and just saying, you know, I I still love Jane, you know, and it's it's really it's really sad because you can tell that you know J- Jane Birkin's still in love with him too, so, mm-hmm. but he was. Yeah, I mean, he just became became this this monster. But I think it's interesting that he was doing that. All those albums I was talking about, the the really great albums in in the seventies, they mm-hmm. were they're the ones that we all we all look to now. But if you look at the you know the lyrical content, you know, a man with a cabbage for a head, or the um, View de l'Exterior, which is which is about arses, basically a whole concept album really about arses mm-hmm. and, and and what you know and and and. And and shit, you know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. it's, like, it's self sabotage, really. He's, he's he wants to be huge, but he's mm-hmm. also making these kind of albums that he's almost it, it's kind of you know. And and then the one after that, he's thinking, well, I you know, I want to hit, but I'm going to write it about the Nazis and the occupation. I mean, that's not mm-hmm. really the way to to go about about you know <laughs> about having having a big hit. And then right. he do, then he does then he does that reggae album, and mm-hmm. I think. Uh, probably i don't think he probably realized how big it was going to be you know i mean it just was was scandalous to to take the national anthem and put it over a over a you know a reggae song or whatever um 
but it was massive and it resonated and and that that was his that was the moment where where he you know achieved superstardom and he was he was a 50 year old man you know you do spend a lot of time talking about his insecurities about his feeling ugly his stage fright his lack of self-confidence and this sort of obsessive need for fame um you know and it kind of it's another one of those paradoxes because you know when you see him being so provocative on tv you you think well he looks like he's totally secure you know and then you hear about all these other insecurities yeah yeah i mean you know appearances can be deceptive well i i think yeah i mean there's there's this perception of of serge that that people always you know people would say oh serge he didn't give it you know he didn't give a shit he did he, he, he was like you know he, he didn't he was but but under that sort of veneer you could tell he was sort of, you know, screaming out for attention. He's a, he's a very conflicted character. And I suppose most, I, I don't know, maybe people find this when they write biographies about people. They they, they, they realise, I mean, for, for me, Serge isn't just one person. He's a, he's a whole collection of, of people. Yeah. Um, I, you know, with the, the, these different personas and, and you're not quite sure where one begins and one ends. But um, but that, that all makes you know that that sort of makes for a, a certainly to to write about you know it's a fascinating kind of um topic to take on um he, he's great i mean it's just kind of you know he's just a, a joy to write about because there's just so much he was so preposterous and so uh funny and maddening and and um just uh and and a genius as well but also uh you know a dilettante as well you know he just kind of um is this is this fantastic figure, and I I think he becomes this kind of a bit. People can can place their own interpretation on him. They can take their own period. They can kind of, you know. So 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 he becomes almost like a. Um, I don't know really. I I think you can project your own sort of version of of Serge on him. Really, can you comment on his? You know, he made up his own character, right? Like an alter ego. Yeah. What, you know, he's Serge Gainsbourg, then was, and then he's Serge Gainsbourg. Is that the pronunciation? Oh, Gainsbourg. The um, I think that's how you say it. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, because because exactly. So so I mean, Serge Serge Gainsbourg is a is a persona anyway. Yes. And then it's kind of a persona enshrined within another persona. I mean, I say it quite a few times in the book. In fact, I I I thought I probably said it too many times um the fact that he it's almost like he can use this other character you know it's, it's a trick that alcoholics do you know they kind of oh it wasn't me it was it was this you know arsehole who shows up and kind of you know um and, and in a way that that it was kind of a way to deflect for for his bad behavior in a sense uh, uh. Mm-hmm. but then you know i mean the Really, this kind of character that he that he became, you just you just sort of feel that that ate him up in the end, you know. Right. Um. It because because he always had to be, you know, he he kind of had to be this grotesque kind of caricature, and you know, which which wasn't particularly good for his health, as we know. Yes. And you know, to the point where he'd be, you know, um, wandering through the snow in his rapetto shoes. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. Just being this character who who kind of, you know, it's this 
character who kind of came along and, and ate him, really. You know, I always heard about, like, for instance, like David Bowie with Ziggy Stardust. I mean, that's yeah. obviously a fictional character he made up, but it's also a way for Bowie to convey to an audience, like a mask or a shield, because Bowie in, in real life, or, or you know, he, he had shyness. Yeah. And Serge Gainsborough, I presume, was a shy gentleman as well. And Mm-hmm. I'm presuming he had to invent a character to do what he had to do in front of the public, and 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 you know he had a big he had to make a presence or a spectacle of himself. Yeah, I, it's it's a funny thing, isn't it? I mean, the, the personas are, are are quite common now, but they certainly weren't then. Um, in the in the same, you know, that kind of um to to kind of invent this construct and and yeah, it then um. I don't know the sort of psychology of it. I mean, I spoke to a few people about the artists who have their own personas, and it is, it does appear to be a way, you know, that 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 the character kind of protects them. Mm-hmm. There's a comedian, Graham Fellows. I don't know if he, I don't, know, I don't think he's known in the in the US, but um, he did the Jilted John, whatever. But he he was talking about how how he he did um uh, a live show with, with a new character and. He was concerned about his memory. Um, he's, he's had some hypnosis for it now, and, and it's fine. But the, the, he was kind of left high and dry on stage by this new character. But he, he he sort of was saying that had it been John Shuttleworth, who's this character who he uh, this quite lovable kind of um, northern character. I can't really mm-hmm. uh, explain him if, if 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 you don't know who he is. But anyway, but he but he felt like had had he been playing. John Shuttleworth at the time, then John would have protected him somehow, you know. I see, I see. So there's a kind of, uh, I don't know whether it's a, a, a trust or, or, but I mean, Gansborough tried different personas. He, he had this character called Ju- Julian Gree, mm-hmm. um, who was this sort of jazz barfly. And it just, it, what it, for whatever reason, it didn't happen. But then he invents Serge Gansborough, and I don't know how different he is from Julian Gree, really, but... Uh-huh. Um, something about it anyway uh, is you know it 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 works and it and it grows, but it but it takes time, you know. I mean, right. he he didn't he he didn't come. Serge Serge Gainsbourg wasn't didn't come sort of fully formed. He were you know. I mean, if, if he did come like that, then he he would have destroyed himself in five years. You know what I mean? Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. Just, have you ever been to his house? Did you did you ever? been inside his home in Paris? no i've been past it i've been i've been there and um i did tr- i did try and get a sneaky looking because i i um i went back over to to paris and i sort of um tried to get in via the uh charlotte's pa but mm-hmm. yeah i didn't hear back um but it, they're opening it up i think I have heard it's yeah, museum. Heard something about that too yeah you explain to you know the audience what you know he he when he passed away, um, Charlotte, his daughter, Charlotte Gainsbourg, great artist as well, an actress, yeah. actor, mm-hmm. um, uh, I guess took over, or not, I don't want to say took over, but he, at that point in time, she was the head of the estate. Yeah. And she refused to change anything in that house after he passed away. Right. Cigarette butts are still there, right? <laughs> Apparently so. Yeah, yeah. That right, right. Um cigarette butts next to a, a, a tape uh a tape of um a cassette of uh Jimi Hendrix. Right, um, the letter G ten. 
yeah, <laughs> exactly. And um, uh, yeah, and and it was basically uh, the, his whole house was like a sort of cabinet of curiosities, and, yeah. and he collected all these bits and pieces. It's, it's apparently it's very small. Apparently, this place and um, yeah, and everything is meticulously laid out, and it's sort of organized chaos and and. He was quite. Um, if he saw anything out of place, he he would go nuts. And and actually talking to to Jane Birkin about it, it sounded quite um, arduous to, by the sounds of it, to 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 live with him. And and Charlotte was would say, you know, you could go into one room, but you couldn't stay there. You couldn't play there. They right. they. Um, so it does sound very odd. Um, yeah. So so he he died and 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 she. It would it actually was left to his four children, and she bought out the other three, mm-hmm. and then kept it, not knowing what to do with it. Um, uh, but it look it looks as though now it, it will be it will be open. But I I don't really understand how they how they will do do tours or whatever because it is it is so small and you you know. Um, It'll probably be by appointment only. Yeah. One of the great things about your book, you bring up a great novel that I love, a book called Against Nature by Hoosmans. Oh yeah, what a, what a book. fantastic book! And um, it's interesting. That was Serge's one of Serge's favorite books as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he actually had like original edition of the book, which was written in 1890, 1880 something. I'm not sure the year. In the book first came yeah, eighteen eighty four was it? Eighty four. So he had original edition of that, and, he, and the book, the book by Husband is about a, a, the main character is somebody who's totally obsessive about his living quarters, about his home, and how everything's if you know everything's aesthetic with this person. But it's yeah. the ultimate decadent dandy who just totally made his life, his own version of life, as perfect as possible. Mm-hmm. Crazy book that inspired surrealists, and you know it's just a great book, but. Serge, with his house, did the same thing in his own manner, made this house like his world, this perfect, you know, it's like a perfect environment for him. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I love that book. It's such a such an amazing, it's something that, it's a book that I, I like to go back to, but he was obsessed with it. He could quote, like, pages at a time to people if you wanted to. But yeah, I, th- I, think, it, I think it was that book that, inspired him to to create this kind of universe within within this place um but it, it didn't didn't sound very hospitable for to actually live in no. um but um yeah i mean it's it i definitely um against nature or 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 sometimes it's called arab or in english but i would definitely recommend that to to anybody um Fantastic. it's hilarious and um and just biz- a bizarre but and and Charlotte is very interesting because Charlotte, as a child, lived there. I don't I don't I don't know how, for how many years, but you know this is like her home as well. Oddly enough, strange home. But it's very interesting that you know usually when a when a parent passes away, and the children take care of the you know the estate, you know they have an estate sale, they get rid of things, they keep some. But it's very interesting that Charlotte kept everything intact. I mean, like. She just sealed the home up. I mean, she just sealed it and just let it stay in that state. Yeah. I've seen photographs of the house. There's been photographers here and there who went in and took photographs of everything. But it's just really, I mean, what an interesting thing for a child to do, you know, like her, for her father or I don't know if it's an honor of her dad or something that she felt 
because he protected that area, so that part of his world so strongly, she felt she had to, you know, obviously she has really strong feelings about <laughs> about that house. Yeah, I, I mean, I think it became a bit of a millstone for a while. I, I got the, the impression that um, she'd sort of bitten off more than she could chew in a sense, because yeah. it, it was it was kind of, um, she's sort of had it and had no idea what to do with it. You know, I think she'd wanted to open it up and then she re- realised the kind of, impracticalities of that um have you seen the video for one one of her songs on, on from from rest um I forget which one. is it lying with you and um and 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 she shoots the the, the video is is from within within that house wow i have to see it no, i haven't seen it yet it's an amazing video and it's re- it's quite spooky um uh-huh. so she's she's yeah so you you see kind of um, the whole thing is, is is shot within it, and you you, you see some of the kind of um, well, if you're a Gainsborough fan, the quite sort of well known objects mm-hmm. that are in 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 the uh, yeah, I think it's lying with you. Definitely, definitely worth a watch for sure. Their relationship was quite interesting and provocative in and of itself. You know, they recorded the song "Lemon Incest," which uh, upset quite a lot of people at the time, and he did a film with her when she was, I guess, a preteen, and she's mm-hmm. nude in the film, so. Um, yeah, it's definitely an interesting father-daughter relationship. Yeah, very very French. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's what we're calling it. <laughs> yeah. I, I I mean I, yeah I mean it, it it's kind of he he was um he would bring people into his art um more more like a writer than a than a than a than a pop star in a way I think you know the way he, he used. Um, in a way, exploited the the people around him. You know, that's more a kind of thing that a writer does than a mm-hmm. a, a musician. I mean, um, I suppose you can. I I don't know. I mean, it's it's, it's hard to say what 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 the motive was. I I mean, he he absolutely loved to cause a stink, and uh, and that certainly did. I mean, I mean, that's one of the one of the things that he's kind of remember for isn't it it's amazing reminiscence because you know the basic is about a father's love for his child you know there's nothing sexual about that but but he puts it in a context at the same time with the film and with him you know his torso naked and and she's sort of undressed lately you know he, he has no fear of pushing the envelope or just you know and again that's like a provocative thing about him he needed to you know, it's like, okay, how far can I take this? You know, and he, yeah. he had a genius to take it as far as he could. I mean, he, you know, he, yeah. there's no censorship with him. I think he, you know, he went as, you know, okay, let's let's just go with it. Well, yeah, exactly. I, I mean, uh, the, the, I mean, some people might think maybe you went a little too far <laughs> with that one. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it, it, you know, but it also, I think, probably. Um, provokes discussion so in a sense um you know that's a good thing rather than just leaving these things yeah buried away you know and and, and i think france is having that discussion now you know Um, it's it's interesting because there's people now i speak to who you know they know i'm a huge fan of his work and yet they do bring up about his scandals and you know and and they don't like him for it yeah these are people who are younger i mean they're like you know 30s or 40s with him but there but it's but i love him because of his scandals i mean it's one of the, i mean you could take an artist and take you know separate them but i choose not to separate them that much i prefer to accept the whole package yeah i mean i mean that's the th- people 
do have a habit of, you know, retrospectively kind of judging people by by our standards or whatever. And I mean, he, he died thirty years ago, and um, mm-hmm. I mean, I, the 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 other day I was invited onto um, onto Six Music, and um, I was meant to go on for a, like this Valentine's Day kind of je t'aime and and talk about the book or, or whatever, and then. The, the the presenter read the book mm-hmm. and i i mean it's hard to i and then i was uninvited because i think oh. she kind of realized realized that you know serge gansborg was a controversial figure you know what i mean yeah. and it, it, it seems oh. it seems funny that they kind of um it probably it probably you know i mean i must admit doing a doing a, a 10 minute interview and not mentioning any of the any of his sort of um, I don't know on a on a Sunday afternoon kind of you know cozy cozy Sunday lunch kind of show um, might have might have been a bit of a a challenge, but it it did seem like a like a you know I I thought it was quite funny anyway that you know fifty years on Gansborg's still being right. still the being BBC. provocative yeah <laughs> he, he is still provocative he's he's still a provocative artist you know. Um... Not to me as much, but to other people, I can see it. You know, they, they, their eyebrows sort of go up when you mention his name or, or you know, tsk, tsk, you know, they shake their finger a little bit at me. <laughs> well, you know, I think the interesting thing is that so much of it, I think, was really more for show. You know, I mean, Charlotte seems just fine. She's got a very successful career and a happy family, et cetera, et cetera. And, and, you know, you mention a lot in the book that he was actually socially quite conservative in many ways. You know, he paid his taxes, even though he burned money on TV. Mm-hmm. And, you know, um, so I think the provocations, you know, I, I don't think he ever had any romantic inclinations toward his daughter. You know, he was just simply he, he was trying to push people's buttons. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. And I, I mean, I think also the in sort of you know it's it's kind of accepted that people can inhabit characters in 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 fiction or in films but people don't sort of accept that as much in in music um for some reason you know i mean he's he's clearly playing you know playing lots of different characters and it's kind of uh I, and also the the other thing that that i find alarming is is the fact that people will want to kind of censor that and and you know, at the end of at the end of the day, it's 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 art, isn't it? You know. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. It's it. It. I just find it a, a, a kind of bizarre that you you know that that people. It's just it's just art, you know. You end the book by asking the question: Would there be enough space today for a provocateur like Gansburg? And um, you know, I think it would be tough for him nowadays. But I do think also. You know, things go in cycles, and I think, you know, people are going to start to weary of this stifling aspect of cancel culture. I yeah. think eventually it'll go back the other direction, <laughs> hopefully. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, often, you know, you get the sort of the pe- people, you know, sort of saying, um, you know, complaining that they've been cancelled on five different news outlets, you know what I mean? It's kind of like, I don't have a voice anymore. It's like, well, you do, because you, I can, you know... I think this idea of cancel culture is is, um, is is overstated. I think it's actually really quite hard to get cancelled. Um, mm. I mean, Serge yeah. did some, Serge did some things that, that that were definitely cancelable. You know, I do worry about his. You know, whether whether in you know five or ten years 
certainly in, in, in France, there's this big discussion at the moment that these sort of um, stories about, you know, um, like teenagers. There's this one at the moment with, with a teenager who was coerced into um, having sex with like 20 firemen or something. I mean, it, these are big stories. That, that, and France is, is, is kind of... And, and I just think that if people, you know, start to conflate these sort of stories with with his work, then his legacy could be in trouble. But um, you know, and, and people seem to have no ability to separate these things. You know, um, yeah. so we'll see. But I, I mean, is is the records are so good? They'll they'll stand the test of time. But um, so. it, could, yeah. it could be in for some stormy water. I think. Do you have a favorite Serge Gainsbourg record? Do you have an album that you really love? You know. That really no, I mean, I mean, it's difficult because I mean, Melanie Nelson was the one that that captivated me more than any of the others to begin with. But it's become a bit of an obvious answer, and um, I probably, you know, I've I've heard it too much. I mean, I probably wouldn't yeah. put it on now. So, um, no, I mean, I've I've heard all this stuff so much recently that I that once once the promo for this is over, I think Serge and I will have a little break, and then. Um, <laughs> And then I'll put I'll put him on again in a in a year or, or two, and then and then I'll and then I'll let you know. <laughs> is, is there uh, for for our new listener? Because actually, there's a lot of people. Though he's famous, people really don't know his music still. I mean, there's the, all that stuff is out there. Yeah. Don't know where to start? Where, where do you have a recommendation? Where where a virgin listener who's interested in Serge Gainsbourg? What what do you think is a good introduction to his music? What 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 albums or period of time or how would uh, you? How would you, yeah, what advice you give to a listener? I think Melody Nelson is a good place to start because it just is mesmeric and it um, that kind of you know his um, his relationship with with Vanier. I mean, it's it's that record is is the I don't know. I mean, it, it, all the stuff he did with uh, Michelle Colombier was 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 really good as well. Oh my god, his his arrangers are so good. You know, Jean Claude Vanier. Uh... Yeah. Um, oh, the first one. Um, oh my gosh, uh, Alain Gorier, Gorier. Well, Gorga, yeah, 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 yeah. He's incredible. Oh, he, he had he he had a real knack for picking the right person to work with. I mean, that's that's sort of a, a form of genius in itself. I think. Yeah. Um, yeah, I just it's 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 really difficult to sort of say. You know, I mean, I think because he had so many different periods. Yeah. Um, I th- I think you sort of have to just you know kind of go with the one that you that, that you think you might might like the most um is just that he's such a brilliant artist uh, across the board i mean when you when you had those albums that would divide it up did you have a particular favorite yeah actually you know i was introduced to his more pop 60s stuff you know jane birkin and it's amazing in this podcast we have not mentioned one word about bridget bardot <laughs> oh gosh yeah <laughs> I think that's a masterpiece that we not mentioned Bardot. Yeah. <laughs> that was the introduction, you know, to his music. But then, you know, I really got into his jazz period, like the early, late fifties recordings. I like, I just love that sort of the 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 uh, intimacy, the swing, the swing, and 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 um, the literature that he sort of presented in those songs. Well, literature throughout his career, but it's. Yeah, I really loved his jazz period. I loved the one that was a percussion with this, you know, electric guitar, stand-up bass, and his mm. voice. Oh yeah, confidential. Yeah, yeah, I love that. I just love that material. But then I love all his work. I even like some of the stuff 
from the 90s. I mean, it gets a little dicey in that era, but, you know, or in the 80s, but, um, you yeah. know, if you dig deep enough, you can find some really great stuff in there. Yeah, I think so. I think that you can kind of, like, um, Love on the Beat or something, and, and I remember yeah. thinking, I remember thinking that the, um, the songs like uh, I'm the Boy and um, Kiss Me Hardy, there's a kind of, um, initially I thought, oh, well, he's, he's kind of, in the in the time of of AIDS emerging and and homophobia, you know, everywhere, he's again he's just sort of being the provocateur, and he is. But then you but then you analyze the lyrics and and realize that they're written a lot more tenderly and sensitively, you know, than I than I gave him credit for. You know, as someone who who isn't brilliant at French, um, I, you know, I think that's a whole dimension that we kind of. You know, people with, with with the first language that isn't French miss out on, and yeah. in France, that's that's what he's absolutely. You know, I mean, everyone I spoke to, you know, um, even Vanier, you know, Vanier was quite quite rude about him, but was kind of, you know, he said he was Serge was a brilliant, brilliant writer. Yeah, and, and um, that you know, sometimes that's something that that I that isn't immediately apparent unless you kind of delve into it a bit more. Do you think his work could be translated into English? Do I think it should be? Well, not should be, can it be? I mean, Mick Harvey has done these amazing, to me, amazing albums of doing Serge's music in English, and I think they're really good. But, you know, yeah. but I was talking, you know, with my translator, Paul Knobloch, um, who translated the Jill Verlant uh, biography. And, uh, mm. and he's, we're talking about how to translate the songs because it's very difficult for a translator. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I mean, Jane Birkin was saying to me that that she feels like that's her last job on earth to to actually find someone who can do it. And her nephew um, was was doing it, but and he he was doing quite a good job, I think. But then he died, and I think there there um, you know people people have a go, but there's so many songs, you know, and and actually, um, yeah, I don't really know. I mean, as you know yourself, I mean, you you can't contain all of the meaning can you you know no it's almost impossible i think but it, it's it, you but one should try <laughs> yeah yeah right but you know you, you actually we didn't brought this up but you actually do a lot of interviews for for this book you actually besides you know doing reading you actually went out and met you know jane birkin mm. anna karina i mean i mm. don't know how you could do it but like those those people are gods to me i can't imagine Sitting at a table, and there's Jane Birkin across the table, or Anna Karina. I mean, yeah, <laughs> is that just me? You too? Did you did you feel like, oh my God, it's Anna Karina? You know, like did you have to pinch yourself. <laughs> well, well I, well, I did, and also, uh, uh, I mean, I, I I say in the book, I also turned up with my two year old because the, there was a yes, uh, it was a so so I, I turned up sweating with this big fat two year old, and and um, <laughs> and. Uh, Anna Karina's not impressed at all, but she sees the, she sees the funny side of it eventually, and you know, uh-huh. I sort of, I said to you know, and and in all her time, uh, nobody had ever turned up with her child, before. <laughs> um, but brilliantly, he just sits there and he's he's like you know, and he just he he just really against character sat and just looked at her for for like half an hour, and uh-huh. and with me giving him little sips of water. 
and it's a it's a it's a memory I, I absolutely treasure and, and and you know he'll thank me one day for <laughs> it, even if it, it wasn't when he watches Panda Pal and he's like wait you sat down with her <laughs> yeah <laughs> so yeah that that was that wasn't meant to happen but he got to meet he got to meet the this this absolute goddess of the, of, <laughs> of the nice. bard. so yeah I mean I wanted to go and talk to people um, because um, I thought that they would and you know I was proved right they lots of people said things that I'd never that I hadn't thought of uh, I, I hadn't thought about or even considered you know mm-hmm. people like Burglar and Chili Gonzalez um in a in a way there were a few things that they said and I thought ooh and and you know and, and even at that point you know the book might change direction a little bit and um and yeah so so you know I I just wanted to get a, a, as much opinion and as much kind of um you know people who people who just were influenced by him or or loved him or you know people who knew him i just spoke to as many people as i could and it was it was fun yeah and and also i do i i do a lot of interviews anyway so occasionally i'd actually pitch things because i knew they were fans and um uh. and so i you know I, I do an interview for a magazine and and then five minutes towards the end oh by the way i'm writing a book do you want to talk about Serge? you know Mm-hmm. Oh, it worked out quite well. Oh, well, that's great. Wow. Well, you know, your book is so fantastic. I really loved it. You know, what I love about it is that you not only, you know, wrote about him. It's amazing we didn't talk about Bridget Bardot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I like that. We didn't talk about Bridget Bardot. Because Serge Gainsborough's life is so rich, so full yeah. of, of personalities, you know, his world around him. And you capture really, really well in your in your biography, or you know, in your study of of his work and his and in his life. And I love you. Know, you do a comparison between him and and uh, Rainer Werner Fassbender, the film, German filmmaker. Oh yeah, yeah. And I thought, I thought it was a great. I mean, I never thought of it, you know, those two in, in conjunction. But I thought, wow, this is really interesting. I love how you. Uh, oh, you know, thank you. Yeah, I was going out on a limb a little bit there because I didn't have too much evidence, but I I I feel. I feel there's definitely. A, I I just know he would have loved Fassbender. I would imagine, right? Yeah. For those who don't know who Fassbender yeah. is, he's a really he was a part of the German New Wave uh, filmmaking world. Was Ben Benders and Werner Herzog, and personally, he was my favorite of the German filmmakers. Oh, my, mine too. I think. I mean, he's he's probably my favorite filmmaker. Uh, me, me too. Maybe him or, or Varda, but um, very very different filmmakers as well. But. Um, yeah. So yeah, I mean, yeah. Actually, if you if you do want to talk about Bridget Bardot, I would just say that when you were saying about uh, music to introduce someone to, mm. I would just play somebody Bonnie and Clyde because I think yeah. it, it absolutely encapsulates what many of the great things about Serge, the kind of um, the fact that the the song is is on a loop, which was which was quite. Yeah. Uh, which is quite something at the time, and he's also um, he's got Columbia doing his amazing stuff. He has a his beautiful foil. Um, he's stolen the the lyrics from from Bonnie uh, from the movie. Uh, oh, from her poetry. Yeah, it comes from a po- comes from her poem. The, from the, Bonnie, Bonnie, yeah, Bonnie, Bonnie's poet. Yes. Yeah, exactly. So, so it kind of and and it's great, you know, and 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 also. It, there's barely even a chorus, and he was he was quite quite brilliant at kind of just writing. Uh, you know, I, he never wrote middle eights, which is oh. which uh, 
it's quite quite bizarre. He just wasn't wasn't into them at all. And half the time he, he yeah, he barely barely wrote a chorus and yet it just it just absolutely stands up. It's it's an amazing pop song. Um I'd definitely say start with that and uh and if you like it, well we'll uh How can you not, how can you not like it? <laughs> well exactly. If if you don't, if you don't like I don't it, want to know the person who doesn't like doesn't like that song. I really don't. <laughs> that person who, if they don't like certain things, I mean, you you don't have to like all of his stuff, but you have to like something by him. And if you don't, I definitely have a problem with that. <laughs> yeah, certainly yeah, nobody yeah. listening to our podcast. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but it's funny. I went to a uh, when I was in Paris. I went to the Museum of Music, and they had a Serge Gainsbourg um, exhibit up. Oh, was that about two thousand and eight? That one. Yes. Yes. Exactly. I didn't, and, I didn't go to it actually. I, I didn't. I didn't know about it at the time. But um, it was yeah, I, I, some of his paintings, you know, <laughs> three of his fifteen paintings that he did, and it also uh, what impressed me yeah. most was um, the song Ford Mustang. Yeah, they actually had the manual for Ford Mustang there, where he got the lyrics from. Oh really? Yeah, I was so impressed. Um, wow, this is the actual manual that he owned. <laughs> <laughs> really, just excited for Daniel. <laughs> it, was amazing. it was amazing to see. It was just so incredible. Really amazing. I love the way that he um, recycled his own material so much. Yeah. Even in the, I forget what the song was called, but it was a Catherine Deneuve one, and it's basically built on Ford Mustang. I mean, he was he, he was that kind of you know he he almost ate himself, didn't he? The way he kind of would. Yeah. Uh, but that, that's that's off the point. Anyway, you're saying about yeah, this exhibition, I, I, it's it was it's meant to be legendary, wasn't it? It was it was amazing. I, I'm sad that I missed it actually. Oh, it was so much fun. It was it was like it, space wise, it wasn't a huge space. It was like two rooms, like one room of the Surge's you know stuff, and then you know like videos and stuff, and then another room. I remember was all his album covers or you know 45 RPM single you know picture covers and stuff from all over uh-huh. the world. No, it was great. It was, it was just, a, you know, for a fan, it was just, it was like sort of going to the Bowie show, you know, David Bowie. Yeah. And, you know, same same concept, same idea, but smaller in, in scope, I guess. But again, well, you know, this has been an amazing show for me and uh, I, think, I presume for you too, Kimley, correct? Oh, absolutely. And, I could talk you know, about Sarah forever. It's kind of amazing. You know, there's so many things we didn't talk about. We could, I could easily, we could talk about hours on this one <laughs> One time period of Serge's life, you know, his jazz period or whatever. It's so rich. Yeah. And it's uh-huh. just, you know, you it's really you have to devote sort of half your adult life into his world if you're gonna dwell at all. <laughs> take one's home. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Um yeah, no, it's been it's been great. And I really, really pray, appreciate you um having me on and I I, I you know, I, I admire what you've been doing as well. And Thank um, you. I'm definitely gonna um track down those uh Boris Vian books that you that you oh, uh, published. Yeah. They're still around. They're they're out there in the world. And I love also how you met, you talked about a little bit about Jack No, who was on New Discovery. Of mine. Oh yeah, I love Jack No. Yeah, yeah, That's yeah. Incredible. Yeah, he is. You know Jack No? Have you heard him? No, I don't know his. You would. I think he's he's great. I love Jack No. He's definitely influenced by Serge Gainsbourg. And then I love uh, Gerard Manset. Oh yeah. In the book too. He's really he's the more orchestrated. Nilly Nelson side of Serge Gainsborough, I guess, but um, yeah, this you know really brilliant people. Your book exposes that whole that whole culture. It's great, great work. Well, I think there there are so many so many great 
jumping off points from from Serge and and um and yeah and I I kind of I think he was my gateway in, into French culture really and, and yeah. I kind of wanted to to explore that a bit and, and and maybe you know it's been nice to read in some of the reviews that people have been have been stopping and going to play this or or check that out and um you know and um and that was kind of you know the the, the hope in a way so you know I think with 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 Serge I I really um wanted to explain as much as I could as much as I understood mm-hmm. the kind of cultural aspects that often get lost um and uh maybe you know having lived in Paris and and, and that kind of thing it kind of you know delved into it but I, I think yeah I think it's important important to kind of um contextualize him really um yeah as much as as much as possible so yeah i agree i agree with you so i think the bottom line is the place to start with gansburg is with your book <laughs> oh well, there you go yeah <laughs> yes exactly uh published by 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 jawbone press yeah excellent one of our favorite presses. yeah, yeah. good I, I, I was very happy to 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 end up um writing a book for them because I'd enjoyed quite a few quite a few of the, the books over the years and they, they, do, yeah. they do a great job with these quite sort of niche topics sometimes but um yeah good on them and they're lovely books I mean the design of the book yeah really they, nice, yeah nice they're, they're beautifully designed books yeah. oh yeah yeah no they are really nice and when when when, when it came through the, the the cover I was like oh yes and that was such a, <laughs> such a, it was it was lovely to not the, the only thing I had to do was choose between two that both looked equally as nice and um, oh I forgot what the, the that's terrible I forgot what the designer's called but I actually mailed him to to tell him thanks very much because you did such a nice job and he he told me that he'd um, he'd seen uh, Serge forty years ago at the Divan du Monde. Wow. Um, so yeah so he, he was obviously bringing a little bit of, of, of knowledge to it and it shows i think so um, yeah, that, nice. that, was, that was quite nice so the book is relax baby be cool the artistry and audacity of serge gainsborough by jeremy allen published as we know by jawbone books and jeremy thank you so much for being on our show yes thank you so very much thank you very much for inviting me it's been a pleasure i've had a great time and what's our next show, Kimberly? What are, what, are, what are we going to do so next? So we've got another very interesting new book. Um, we're going to be discussing The Velvet Mafia, The Gay Men Who Ran the Swinging 60s by Daryl W. Bullock. It just came out. Uh, this is one of your obsessive topics. topics. Yeah. Of all the men behind the scenes. So, yeah, I love uh, that stuff. We'll have a lot, of, lot to talk about on oh, this Oh, great. Wonderful. <laughs> And uh, you can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter for all the latest news. And you can find links to everything on our website at bookmusic.com, B-O-O-K-M-U-S-I-K.com. So thank you, everyone. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye.